Ah, yes, friends. On a Thursday, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where you know we are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, also covering the Brooklyn Nets for the Locked On Nets podcast. And over there, the season, generational, ticket holder, healthy, wealthy, wise, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? I'm good. I'm glad today I wake up and we are not San Francisco 49er Twitter, because I don't know if you've been seeing what's going on over there, Adam, but it's crazy. Like, players are getting in fights with this one particular media reporter. I know you're, you're considered very controversial in the giants community, Adam, and you're very polarizing, but at least you don't have people like Javon Kinlaw threatening to murder you on live stream. So that's, that's a, that's a plus for the OGP listeners. Yeah, I think so. Listen, take it with a grain of salt, but at least I haven't been threatened in my life uh, from any of the New York football giants over the last few seasons. Um, you know, it's funny, man, actually that's occurring over kind of not, not remotely in that same way, but just Twitterverse and uh, fan frenzy around certain things. The Nets are experiencing that right now. It's like somebody dropped just a little tiny like nugget in the water of nope, uh, Sean Marks and the Nets haven't communicated with Kevin Durant since the end of the series against the Celtics. And it's like, well, then that must mean set the world on fire. So um, it only takes one drop in the hat to really set things off sometimes. And maybe that's what we're about to do here a little bit. I feel like couple of things house housekeeping uh part of this and then i talked about it off the podcast we had someone mention it uh in real time yesterday on the uh, youtube premiere for our episode and then also later on in the comments around andy a little bit off on how many sacks that aziz ojalari had last year i was just dead set on labeling tay crowder as being mr irrelevant housekeeping stuff what i liked about it though um is the second time we heard about it was saying oh just a little bit off today which means we're usually spot on as we get into it here, so I wanted to approach this. There's a quick note um, coming out of yesterday. So we were having that conversation uh, around the defense we've been having now. I guess we've gotten ourselves kind of entrenched on this Julian Love discussion. So we're going to talk about the wide receiver group and what has to happen there. But I thought a really nice lead-in. First quick note on the OTA side of things is we had talked about the secondary, and we kind of got to this place where we were saying, what you know, can Darnay Holmes actually be more valuable to this team? And it comes right on the heels of hearing that in OTAs, he's been doing a pretty nice job having some pass breakups. And maybe most importantly, they've been talking about him in coverage downfield and being able to disrupt some of the rhythm for these deep passes that we're talking about. Do we, I mean, is this the toe in the water to say, and this can be very quick, just that, that, that Darnay Holmes is on that inside track to be able to be a part of this team, unlike what we're going to discuss in a second around Julian Love. Well, listen, Adam, I keep saying this time in and time out. You know, we're finally getting some of these OTAs open to the public, so we'll get a little bit more insight. But doesn't it just feel like they pick every single day from OTAs to, like, highlight two or three new guys? They're like, wow, Cordell Flott looked amazing today. They're like, wait, don't forget about Rodarius Williams now healthy. They're like, Darnay Holmes, amazing pass breakup. The only one that consistently come, you know, comes into focus seems to be Daniel Bellinger, as I've mentioned before. Every every single every single uh, you know OTA, they're like, and he made another ridiculous one-handed catch while handcuffed and you know hogtied. You're like, I want to be able to see actually what's going on there. So it'll be great to get some media in there to get some perspective on that too. Of course. So, and, I, and obviously when they talk about Bellinger from Andy's perspective, those are facts. When they talk about other guys, those could be speculation. But here's what I wanted to do. We're calling this the uh, random trade of the day because we talked about Julian Love. We know what the cap hit is, and we know that the Giants are still going to need to create some flexibility going into the season. You know, you want to have that 7 to 10 or $12 million of flexibility going into the year so that you can make some moves around the deadline or in case of injuries, which obviously is a big part of the NFL. 
Uh, shout out to Pessimistic Mike, who kind of he kind of threw this into my ear, and I started thinking on it. You go over to the Baltimore Ravens, you may be familiar that Wink Martindale once was the defensive coordinator over there. And when you look at their depth chart, you suddenly go into their secondary and you realize that you have a player in Kyle Hamilton who was recently drafted to play the safety position for them. But right in behind him, recently signed uh, last, uh, last offseason to an extension for Baltimore, is one Chuck Clark. 27 years old, going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2024 and he sits on the books with a 4.6 million dollar cap hit this year and 5.1 next year if i told you and this is why it ties into our wide receiver conversation that a player maybe like darius slayton who's in the final year fifth round pick not necessarily a part of the future if you could send him and maybe even a late round pick over to baltimore to bring back a player that has familiarity in wink martindale's system we can talk stats in a second if we want and then put yourself in a position to say, if Julian Love, as we think, is not necessarily a big proponent of what's going to happen going forward, we can also clear off his $2.5 million. You effectively take off the money, open up an extra roster spot for yourself, and bring in a player that has familiarity and consistency and is under contract for another season, understanding you maybe want to have some veteran experience. If that's what fans are interested in, you can do that and also get someone that's knowledgeable inside of Wink's system. Oh, so you're you're asking me if I would sign up for that? Is that is that what's going yeah. on here, Adam? Uh, uh, that, well, yeah, it's a random trade of the day. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, you see, uh, hold on a second, real quick here. Um, we'll cut this out on, in post, Andy. What we do on the podcast is we talk back and forth about potential things that the Giants could do. Right. Okay. So my short answer on that is I don't know if I would do it. Um. And the reason why is because this was mentioned early on when right after Kyle Hamilton was drafted, mm-hmm. um, you know, Chuck Clark was basically like, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this. You've already drafted my replacement guy of the future. We said, hey, clearly Baltimore needs wide receivers after they've traded Hollywood Brown away. Darius mm-hmm. Slayton could provide that. He could help out Lamar Jackson in that offense. Yeah, I, I kind of am indifferent on this one. One, because if it's a like for like trade, then, you know, we're we're basically taking on two and a half million dollars of additional cap by, by, you know, moving Darius Slayton for, for Chuck Clark. You said that we may have to give up a couple of draft assets. I don't know if I'm um, in a position f- to be able to do something like well, I that. Said only and all- one. I said maybe later. We don't know for sure. Yeah, sure. But then and quite so frankly, then- quite frankly, continue. But I mean, quite frankly, to contextualize it for a team that probably isn't going to keep him around. And he doesn't want to be there. Maybe you don't have to give that up because you're giving them something they desperately need in a wide receiver. Right. So that would, that would make it a little bit more appealing, but the last piece of it is you bring in Chuck Clark. I, you you think that he's better than Julian love. Fine. He's double the amount of money that Julian love is, is for for the giants. Right. So like you have that piece of it. And then also you invested in Dane Belton. You think you found uh, something with Yusuf Corker. You're almost delaying the ability for those young assets to be able to get on the field. when you make a trade with Chuck Clark, because like you mentioned, he signed through next season as well. So for me, I'm out on it. I like the idea of this year being the development year. We're not in win ma- now mode, but let's see what Dame Belton, Yusuf Corker, and even Julian Love have. And I'm happy with that mix for today. And I'll put it to you this way on our random trade of the day. Uh, this is my offering to New York football Giants fans that maybe don't think that they want to go to your point with the full youth movement, right? Dane Belton with Xavier McKinney, Yusuf Corker. We mentioned Thompson yesterday as well. All these young players. My point is Julian Love need not be a part of this group, right? And if you feel like you still want a veteran experience safety in that group, then this is the move that I would make. 
you jettison Julian Love, you make a trade like this, the money then washes out. And if you can do it player for player, all the better. And then you go, here's the veteran, right? You want a veteran guy with some experience that'll be here for a couple of seasons and you see how things roll over. To your point, does it does it stunt or hinder Dane Belton from getting in there on the field and maybe getting some reps? It, it, it certainly could. But if this is what you want, if you don't feel like you're comfortable with the full youth movement, then go this route. I just keep coming back to Julian Love, the 2.5 million, the final year of a contract, and what his value has been on the field. Apples to apples, Chuck Clark is a better safety than Julian Love. Right now, his missed tackle percentage, you go inside those numbers, looks a little different. But one of the key stats that you could take away, certainly for him, is that he's appeared in every single game going back to 2018 and hasn't really missed any time, played every single game the last two seasons and started every single game the last two seasons. So if you want to bring in somebody to pair alongside Xavier McKinney, here's a guy that's been a starter in the NFL, not someone who's been struggling on the depth chart. And now in his final year of his contract, we're saying, Maybe you could be a starter for a season, by the way. And I understand everything he said there um, as far as what does it look like next season? And do you have Chuck Clark who goes, well, now I'm a little disgruntled again the following year because I'm on a team where I may be getting pushed down the depth chart. The most positive that I see out of that is we are a little bit thin at the safety position and we do seem to have a lot of wide receiver talent. It may not be that we have the number one wide receiver in the league, but it feels like we have a lot of competent number two type wide receivers. So giving up an area where we have a lot of depth like the wide receiver room to make the safety position a little bit better. I do understand the logic behind it. So then this is what leads into it, though. What needs to happen in the wide receiver room for any decision like this to get made? Because we've, we've talked about this so much, Darius Slayton. And I, again, this is something that I was thinking about these last couple of days. When you look at the roster, I can give you a number of names that I say, hey, I like this player. I like Foster. Richie James gets brought in, special team or slash, right? They, they bring C.J. Board back, at least for an opportunity in camp. There's a lot of these guys at the back end we're going to talk on here as well. But when you come into it, I think the only way that if you're the Giants, you can say we're going to get rid of that 2.5 from Darius Slayton is if one of two things has to happen. You need to get some indication that Sterling Shepard is far closer to being able to play than not because he is the third, fourth wide receiver on your depth chart. Or you need to see a significant step up in camp from one of these other players to justify saying, what are we cutting? We're cutting the fifth guy on, on, on the depth chart here in Darius Slayton. Because as it stands right now, you have Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Wandell Robinson, who you can say, you know, he's the rookie. You want to see him take over as the third. But, but Darius Slayton is the 3-4, depending on scheme and what, how you're trying to line things up right now without knowing about Sterling Shepard's health. And that's what I think is tricky about it and why I ask, who do we depend on here to justify moving off of Darius Slayton? You mentioned his name, but it seems like an afterthought. The answer is Kenny Galladay. It is clear as day to me that it's all about Kenny Galladay. It's not about the guys on the back end of the roster necessarily stepping up and replacing Darius Slayton. It's Kenny Galladay showing that he is a true number one, big bodied possession, go up and high point the ball wide receiver for the giants. The reason why they signed him to begin with. And, it, and it's simple. He makes every decision that much easier. If you have Kenny Galladay as that number one wide receiver, Adam, everything else changes. The other piece of it is, even after this year, if the Giants were to cut Kenny Galladay, they'd have $14 million in dead cap. They'd save about $7 million to put towards other things. So it behooves them to figure out if Kenny Galladay is the number one guy. And if you have that side of the field taken care of, you have the future in the, in the slot between either Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Toney if Sterling Shepard isn't healthy. 
The other piece of it feels like, you know, when you're talking about a fourth wide receiver, a fifth wide receiver, you can kind of take a, a flyer on a late draft pick. You know, they have Colin Johnson there. They have Rob Foster. They have Richie James. I Yeah, I I don't know. I push back on that a little bit because, it, it, you know, I get that the, it's the outside wide receiver. It's the big body. But but Kenny Galladay doesn't have any speed. Like he's a, you know, he is a big body possession receiver right now. It doesn't, I'm not talking about you can't throw the ball downfield to him, obviously, when routes develop. But I just look at, I understand what you're saying, but like, again, I'm not trying to overstate the value of Darius Slayton, but it's just like, I need, I need another wide receiver. Like Kenny Galladay, first of all, like, I don't think that he's a number one anymore. Like, I think that's almost like the assumption here. Kadarius Tony is the number one for this wide receiving core. And then Kenny Galladay as a good number two can benefit off of having more talent in the wide receiving core and opening up some of these areas on the field for him. But like, this is kind of my point somebody else needs to it can be robert foster it could be you mentioned colin johnson and that ota hype where they're saying he has a really good rhythm with daniel jones right now okay fine but somebody else needs to confirm that they are a part of what mike kafka is going to do on the offensive side of the ball because again if kenny galladay is a question mark from where is the quality of his game right now it's Kadarius tony it's rookie wandell robinson who i'm very high on it's an injured and, and can, you know, question mark Sterling Shepard. And that's it right now. If this team and the wide receiving room is healthy, then all of a sudden they're very deep. But if they're not healthy, all of a sudden it's a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks that like I'm intrigued by. You know, David Sills is another name that I can throw out there and say that, like, I, you know, we've liked some of the small sample sizes we've gotten from him. We know that Alex Bachman is still around here, but I mean, you know, none of these guys are ones that you perk your ears up and go, well, he could automatically be a plug and play. I know that Darius Slayton has not been the perfect version of a wide receiver, albeit that he was taken in the fifth round. So expectations should be set accordingly, but he's still like, he is still the best option unless camp reveals someone else who is better. And there's guys that have been drafted higher than him that I think can take it over. But yeah, I, I push back on this idea that, oh, well, if Kenny Galladay does his job, then that's like, that's the one-to-one. It's not because he already needs to be doing that job. He needs to be the solid number two that Wandell Robinson can be more effective around, more effective underneath, et cetera. Like that's what needs to be occurring here. So like if Kenny Galladay does his job, then it's all he's done is done his job. It doesn't, doesn't replace anything. Now you have three wide receivers maybe and still question marks thereafter. Well, but Adam, here's the thing. You mentioned Darius Slayton has the speed, right? Like that that's the one thing that you were talking about. Like we need speed. Well, guess what? Well, I'm, not, Wondell- I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that his speed is the is the thing that you're not getting from Kenny Galladay. I'm just saying that if you're talking about having the ability to have a larger physical wide receiver that can also stretch the field for you, I get what Kenny Galladay can do, but I'm saying he needs to do that no matter what. If Kenny Galladay is the you know, is catching 55 balls this upcoming season for X amount of yards. We're going to talk about like what is success for this group in a minute, but he needs to be a quality wide receiver. If he's not doing that and he starts falling down the depth chart, then you need two wide receivers to step up along with Daniel Robinson and Kenny Gallagher. That's the point of why Kenny Galladay is so important. You're saying that you expect it. It's a given. It's 100% has to be. And I'm saying that is the most important piece of this wide receiver room, because if it's not, then you're asking Darius Slayton, to be on the outside and be that guy. And then you're asking one of those other guys that you're saying hopefully flashes or steps up, whether it's Colin Johnson, Richie James, Robert Foster, CJ board has to end up getting the production of what Darius Slayton did previously as a number four or number five. That's like, 
the whole idea of Kenny Galladay, I, everyone's like, yeah, of course he has to perform well. But what I'm saying is it rounds out this wide receiver room because then if he's playing well and you have the two-headed monster of Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Toney who both run a 4-3-9-4-4 and have that quickness speed, it allows you to, to decide on the other outside group, what is it that we're looking for? Do we need a burner? In, in someone like Darius Slayton to get down the field? Mm-hmm. Do we need someone like CJ Board, who who I, is kind of like a dual-be-all dual kind of guy? Do we need a guy like Robert, Robert Foster or Richie, Richie James who changes the perception of things over there? Or to our, at that point, do we want an even taller guy in Colin Johnson to be able to, to go up and be able to get balls? I think the idea is Kenny Galladay is the most important because he allows all that flexibility in all the other decisions you make. If Darius Slayton ends up not proving himself or not being the guy that you want – there's four other guys behind him in the depth chart that I can, I think you can get 90 cents on the dollar from Darius Slayton's production. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand your logic, but I just like, again, like I just can't like, like Kenny Galladay, like Kadarius Tony and Wandell Robinson are the linchpins of success for this offensive unit. As we start to think about what is success for this wide receiver group, but I, I'm going to keep coming back to it. Like, Again, no matter what happens, like Kenny Galladay is going to be doing what he's doing or not doing. And then you're going to have these other players like you need to. My point is you need to have other guys in the wings. It can't be either Kenny Galladay is successful or this is a disaster from the wide receiver room. Or we start to really say, can, can Sterling Shepard be healthy? And even if he is now, where are you going to play other players? There's a lot of move movability here. When we talk about Kadarius Tony, he can go on the outside. We know Wandell Robinson has some position flexibility as well, but I need to see as we talk about what is success for this wide receiver group, I need to know that I have the fourth, fifth, and sixth. I'm not talking about takeover and be dominant, you know, and then have some all, all pro performance this year, but I need to know that there are guys that are capable of stepping in, running the right routes, being effective, moving the chains, working well with Daniel Jones. When you bring up a guy like Colin Johnson, whatever little nuggets we can take away from OTAs, because it doesn't matter. Because even if Kenny Galladay is doing his job, I don't think he's doing his job to some Detroit Lion level that, you know, fans are still holding on to here a little bit. I think he's only going to be the byproduct of the success of the other wide receivers around him. Well, Adam, when you talk about success, the thing that I think about, you, you brought up Wondell Robinson, you brought up Kadarius Tony. They have a lot of overlap in their game in terms of their shiftiness, ability to make people miss. You want to get the ball to them early and often into space, one-on-one. They're a nightmare when they have the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Kadarius Tony has had some challenges with the media and, and being a little bit mercurial, I will say, and mm-hmm. knowing that Wandale Robinson was drafted by this new regime, who do you think has bigger expectations? And who do you think will have, at the end of the day, have more production between the two of them? Oh, between Robinson and Tony, uh, you you want you want Kadarius Tony to be having the bigger production this year. I mean, that's just a fact. He's a first round draft pick. Whatever we think about, you know, where Wando Robinson was taken and liking his talent and what he projects forward to do. Kadarius Tony looked electric last year. He's a different type of dynamic receiver. They're both capable of do, have having big plays. Of you know, one of the things actually I'll just note on Wando Robinson. He's a, he's strong. Like he's small. They talk about his upper body strength. That's one of the big pluses is what he does after the catch and his ability to fight through and take on contact. Um, he needs to have a pro bowl caliber season like that. Kadarius Tony is critical to what the giants do in the short term here. So, you know, if Kadarius Tony, we talk about what success look like, we don't have to put numbers on it right now per se, but this kid's got to be giving you over a thousand yards this year. Like, you know, we talk about the target shares that you saw from these guys. I mentioned, you know, 
45, 50%, maybe even more than that in terms of, you talk about 500 pass attempts from Daniel Jones, an average kind of number for QBs over the course of a season, more or less. 500 pass attempts, 200 to 250 of them need to go between Kadarius Toney and Wondell Robinson for this team to be having success. And that's actually kind of why I talk about Kenny Galladay or Darius Slayton. It's, you guys may only see X percentage of targets here and you need to be reliable and consistent. And it's why Darius Slayton and the catch percentage is so critical when you look at him, right? It's why Kadarius Tony is so critical because he's known to be an elite pass catcher from a reliability consistency going to bring that ball in as is Wondell Robinson. So yeah, those two players are that that's one in one a, I know it's going to look different in terms of the hierarchy maybe, but yeah, 50% of target shares should be split between those two players. And that's, what's going to dictate offensive success for this team. You know, it's interesting that you say that because we talk about new regime, new coaching staff, and they new go and regime. pick they go they go and pick the players that they want, right? And they clearly went up and according to a lot of different draft boards, went and reached for Wandale Robinson because they liked his skill set so much. I think it, they got the right talent at the right spot, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, to each their own. It's fine. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so I completely get it. But Adam, there there's another world that I'm living into. Let's just say for argument's sake. We know Sterling Shepard has health issues, to say the least. We don't necessarily know if he'll be out there for week one. We hope that he is. But there's also a scenario, and and tell me if I'm crazy. If Sterling Shepard is healthy and on the field and our entire wide receiving core is healthy, isn't there a a role where it's Wondell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay on the field and you and then Darius Slayton and others are actually not playing like doesn't it give you more versatility if both Wandale and Tony plays on the outside instead of someone being someone like Darius Slayton playing out there uh yeah yeah if, if you if you you know get away from which the NFL is you know get away from the big bodied model is not always the path to success if you're a talent you know the talent trumps the measurables that's what we always talk about right when you get drafted higher that's why expectations are bigger even if you are a smaller wide receiver as Tony maybe or even as a Wandell Robinson yeah for sure I mean okay the perfect scenario for the New York football giants is that Sterling Shepard is healthy. And then to your point around, well, who needs to step up to justify releasing a Darius Slayton and saving 2.5 million. Anybody can do it as the fifth wide receiver. And that's kind of my point, right? You're going to carry six wide receivers, maybe on the roster. You want it to be that Darius Slayton is five or six on that list. Not that he's four or maybe slash three. If Kenny Galladay doesn't look so good or doesn't come out of the gates starting well. Yeah. I mean, at least in the short term, and I, I think I said this yesterday, if, if Sterling Shepard could be 80% of what he once was, right, and just be healthy and on the field, we know you'd like to put him in the slot, use the versatility, four wide receiver sets. Now, to your point, Ken, uh, Kadarius Tony goes on the outside with Kenny Galladay, Wandell Robinson, Sterling Shepard, a lot of speed, a lot of shiftiness, a lot of that work after the catch. Yeah, that, that sets up great, but we can't rely on that, right? I mean, you can't rely on that or expect that from Sterling Shepard. So you have to, again, safeguard against it and i think go ahead but we'll talk about just quickly here before we leave where the the depth chart currently sits at each one of these wide receiver spots i i think we're a little too focused on the big body wide receivers and height when we think about the wide receiver room because like that wasn't something that was a focus in buffalo it definitely wasn't a focus in kansas city when tyree kill was the smallest guy on the entire field and he led the team you know in in terms of the wide receiver room Kenny Gallagher, but in Kansas City, you have you know Travis Kelsey as your tight end, the enormous body there, or some other you know down the depth chart pieces that play a little bit bigger. But I under I do understand your point of it's what was needed in those other spots, and then how will you adjust to it? And we mentioned this before. 
Kenny Galladay in a pseudo tight endish kind of role potentially for this offense. And, and Daniel Bellinger is six foot five. He's going to play that Travis Kelsey role. I think Travis Kelsey's six three, six four. So Bellinger's even bigger. Kenny Galladay is six four, and we continue to forget. We think Kadarius Tony because he's so shifty is diminutive in size. He's six foot. It's not like he's he's five seven like Wandell Robinson is. He does have good size. So if you have Kenny yeah, yeah. Galladay at six four, Bellinger at six five, Tony at six foot on the outside. You, I mean, forget about it. two tight end set with uh, Austin Allen being six eight six nine. My goodness, talk about height all over the well, board for the Giants. I mean, for Jesus. for me, I think you you can sacrifice a little bit of height on the outside to get explosiveness and big play mentality across the board. I like everything you said there, but you can't you can't start throwing out Austin Allen two tight end sets here. Oh baby, and for the New York oh, baby, get Giants. excited. It's a Friday show. It's why you get to have a little bit of fun here on the back end of it. Um, to the point being, at the end of the day, when we look inside this group, and I think you're right, it's just about production. It's about effectiveness. It's about fit inside of this scheme. When we look at this depth chart, you are talking about the way it gets listed here, and we're using as many different places as we can. Kenny Galladay with Slayton as the depth piece behind him. Tony with, as it stands right now, maybe Richie James, maybe it's Robert Foster listed in behind him. Who knows if Colin Johnson can build up at some point along the way here and move up the depth chart if he's showing success. And then it's Shepard with Wandell Robinson looking to be the guy that takes over there. So I think versatility is what we talk about. It's what you want from this team. And I'll be honest with you, man. Maybe maybe the perfect scenario is that somebody does show up over the course of this training camp and it can just be Darius Slayton. Like if you told me that Kenny Galladay is the mistake of the previous regime and it isn't going to work out and Darius Slayton could take on a little bit of that Stefan Diggs kind of role, right? Good size, speed, get downfield, stretch the defense. Like, I I don't care where Kenny Galladay ends up on this depth chart, if I'm being honest with you. For the overall production, I hope he does well. But there are other guys that I'd rather see be more successful. I want Kadarius Toney and Wandell Robinson to be successful. And then I want Sterling Shepard to be able to be healthy in the short term. And then I want other guys to step up here. We're still a draft class or free agency away from bringing in the next important guy. But in some ways, Personally, like Kenny Galladay is like, yeah, man, I hope I hope you can be productive and catch some red zone touchdowns, et cetera. But you're not the mechanics of this offense that's going to help it move. You are going to, again, you are the afterthought in some ways, I think. I think they're going to utilize them. I'm not saying it's not going to be successful, but you're not the focal point at all. You're not the relied on thing here. You are not the number one anymore in, in this offense if you ever had the chance to be since you were brought in. Adam, the most important piece of this is the depth piece. And at the end of the day, it's because the Giants have injury history at the wide receiver position. Kenny Galladay has missed a bunch of games in his career. Sterling Shepard can't stay healthy and on the field. So when we talk about, oh, who's going to be the starting four, it's like by week two or week three, someone's going to have a knee knock. Someone's going to have a calf injury. And you're going to have to start reaching into that depth piece. And that's why guys like Richie James are so important. That's why Colin Johnson's so important. Who knows when we're getting Sterling Shepard back out on the field. And Kadarius Toney missed quite a bit of time after he showed up in that Cowboys game. So there's a lot of question marks in terms of injury. And that's why getting as many quality pieces in this wide receiver room is critical to their success. The Giants need six guys that they can rotate interchangeably in there and not necessarily miss a beat. That's what we're hoping this wide receiver room does. As we get out the door, rewind it. What is success for this wide receiver group? Health. I think health is it, right? Because on paper, the talent, the skill set, that's all there. It it is about health and being able to be available and on the field. If you just tell me that everybody on this roster from the wide receiver group is healthy, 
I don't care. Then it all sorts itself out on the field. It's only when we start to talk about lack of availability for certain players that you're going to have to start to scramble. That's true for every NFL team, but at this position for the Giants, especially over the last handful of seasons, it does feel like that gets elevated a little bit in the eyes of the fan base and certainly the eyes of this coaching staff. It's a Friday, friends. We like to have a good time. We'll probably carry this one over a little bit because I think there's a lot to flesh out in some of these depth pieces, some of these younger players that can rise up the board here. There's going to be a lot of cuts at this group. There's too many bodies on this roster right now at the wide receiver position. You follow us over on YouTube. You subscribe, rate, review, like, love it on the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. And ultimately, until we come back next week, as Andy would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.